Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour Extra Bits, our little gift to you podcast subscribers with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. This week we meet Claire Pooley, aka Sober Mummy, who talks to us about drinking, sobriety and raising kids and we question the Instagram scummy mummy culture. We started talking about giving up booze and our next guest did when she started to think that maybe wine o'clock was getting a little bit too regular. Claire Pooley, welcome to Badass Women's Hour. Thank you. You have, you started like writing a kind of, I guess, a blog about your experiences with alcohol and motherhood. Tell us about that. Yes, well, it's about five years ago I started writing the blog because um, I got to the point where my one glass of wine that I used to have to chill out at the end of the day and relax mm. turned into two glasses and that turned into three glasses and three glasses, if they're big enough, is pretty much a whole bottle. Mm, yeah. And so I was drinking a bottle of wine every day and probably two at the weekend. So that added up to... Actually, I tried not to add it up because it was a bit <laughs> scary, but it added up to about 10 bottles a week, um, on average and um and that started having sort of really bad effects on my sort of physical and mental health and so I eventually came to the conclusion so sort of somewhat reluctantly initially that I should quit and I was too nervous to do anything like go to AA or mm-hmm. even to tell anyone in real life so, so what did, you I, did you think you were an alcoholic no well you know what I spent so much time googling am I an alcoholic and you know, <laughs> I, and the, uh, you know, you get this little questionnaire and it would say things like, do you drink alone? And I'd say no, because I was with the dog. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, some things I answered yes to and other things I answered no to. And in the end, I'd come to the conclusion that no, I wasn't an alcoholic and everybody drank the way that I did. And, um, you know, everybody joked about wine o'clock and my yeah. whole social media feed was filled with, with stuff about mummy's little helper and, you know, all that stuff. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I, I eventually quit and my way of, of sort of dealing with it, my sort of form of therapy was writing a blog. So I, 
started a blog called Mummy Was a Secret Drinker. <laughs> and I wrote every day sort of what I was going through. And I did a whole load of research about, you know, how alcohol affected, um, you know, our sleep and our weight and our moods and anxiety and all sorts of stuff. And I wrote about that as well. Were you writing it anonymously? Was yeah, it an anonymous yeah, blog? Yeah, okay. no, I was really... Yeah. Um, I didn't tell anyone what, what was really going on in my life. Did even you... Do you have a partner at the time? Yes, I was yeah. I'm married with three children. Yeah. So, um, and actually, he didn't even know about my blog um, initially. Did he um, know that you had an alcohol problem? Problem though, do you think? Uh, he knew I drank a lot, yeah. but um, I think he sort of wanted me to cut down, um, not to give up altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I tried for years to cut down, you know, and I would set myself all sorts of rules, like you know, I will only drink um, at weekends, or I'll only drink, um, <coughs> at, you know, when I'm out. I won't drink at home, and um, I won't drink alone, and I will only drink every other drink of being, an, you know, and I'll alternate with water and mm. all that sort of stuff and I was never able to stick with it to you know for more than about two or three weeks but you were able uh, to then quit did you go to AA at all no you didn't have any professional help no I just blogged and I read everything under the sun and did you set yourself a time when you started blogging you're like I'm gonna quit for a month Mm. or was it I'm done and I'm done um, you know, it's really difficult to think about forever because, you know, when you first quit drinking, if, if you were a big drinker, it's, you know, every minute seems to, you know, last a very long time. So, you know, I just thought took it one day at a time. And luckily, all those days eventually added up. Um, so, you know, I want I knew I had to quit forever, but I tried not to think about it because... It just seems too scary if you think about it that way. When you were writing, though, did you find there was an underlying reason that was making you drink? Mm Because there can be, right? You know, there can be some unhappiness or stuff going on where people are are drinking. Was there anything like that that you think was driving your drink? Or was it just Um, that your volume of drink escalated because you just enjoyed it? I think it was was more... I I got to the stage where I was drinking for... Every reason. So right. I was drinking to celebrate. And yeah. I was drinking to and I was drinking to relax. And I was drinking. But to we rev have up. a culture that actually and encourages that, yeah, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I, I grew up in the era of um, absolutely fabulous and um, and <laughs> yeah. Sex in the City and Bridget Jones. And I thought it was my feminist duty to keep up with the men. You know? And I worked in advertising for twenty years, where oh, well, yeah. you know it was it was my job to go out and get clients drunk. You know, it was it was. Part part of the culture so so yeah I, I I didn't really see that that it was a problem for a very long time and we've used the word problem here yeah. would you describe it as a problem do you was it impacting your life uh yeah it impacted my life in so many ways and I think I only now realize how many ways um in that my life now is completely transformed are you sober now so yeah, yeah. I had, 100% I had a drink sober? for five years wow well done so thank you um, so, yeah, so the ways it impacted my life, I was two stone overweight, um, at least. Uh, I didn't sleep very well, so I used to get to sleep very easily, but I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning and not get back to sleep. Yeah. Um, and I was anxious a lot of the time, and I felt generally like my whole life was a bit stuck in the in a rut. I wasn't, I wasn't really making the most of anything. And, you know, since I quit drinking... You know, I lost loads of weight, I got loads of energy, I sleep brilliantly and I have a whole new career and Mm -hmm. it's completely... And, you know, I'm a much better mum than I was. I was a, you know, I was a bit... I was a very impatient, shouty, slightly sort of... um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't a great mum. I want to ask you about this because this is something that actually kind of got picked up by the press a couple of years ago, which was sort of shaming the kind of drinking mummy culture that appears on Instagram. So mm. all social media, I guess. But certainly it feels like on social media, it's kind of, it, you know, it it's almost a thing of pride. Here I am at 5pm and there's one kid balancing on one hand mm. and another one opening the wine bottle themselves. And you know, that it's, if you're not there with a glass of wine at 5pm on Instagram, are you mothering properly? Well, Did you buy into that a bit? Yeah, I loved all that because it gave you know it made me feel normal. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it was a backlash to you know when I first had children. Um, I was, you know, it was the era of Gina Ford and all yeah. the sort of, you know, all all those um, experts who tell you exactly how you had to bring up your children. And you know, we all felt like we had to be perfect mothers. And then the mummy blogger came out and it was all about, no, hell, this is, nobody is perfect. We just muddle along and we do the best we can. And our reward for having, you know, done the best we can is a glass of wine at the end of the day. And I totally bought into that. And um, and it took me a long time to realise that, you know, what the thing that I thought was helping was actually making everything yeah. much, much more difficult. And, you know, I really don't blame any mother for, for drinking at the end of the day because I did it for years and years <laughs> and years and I'm hardly one to point fingers. But I have to say, I do find things so much easier now. Again, we were talking about this at the top of the show. Is it not about finding the balance of it, right? So if it's a glass versus two bottles... Mm then is it so bad and so obviously my not obviously my bias here is i like red wine mm. i like a good glass <laughs> oh, so at, the did I. Of, <laughs> at the end of the day uh, for all of the reasons you, i have a champagne arm i have a tattoo on my champagne arm um so, you know it, it, celebration i'm there relax i'm there so but there's a balance to it as with with everything I completely agree if you're somebody who can balance. Right. Mm. Um, and I think there are two types of people. And, you know, I've through my blog, I have met so many people who've had problems with drinking. And, you know, I get I get thousands and thousands of messages from people. And, you know, there are there certainly seem to be two different sorts of people. There are people who are very good at moderating, like you, mm -hmm. like my husband. You know, he can have a glass of red wine and then put the bottle in the cupboard mm -hmm. and not touch it again for a couple of days. You know, I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I was very all or nothing about alcohol and uh, and not just about alcohol, about everything, really. Right. So I'm the same with crisps, I'm the same <laughs> with chocolate, ice cream. Um, so, yeah, I think some people just find moderation really hard and that was my my nirvana was to drink the way that that you talk about drinking and I tried to do that for a long time but just it made me miserable because it was constantly on my mind right. um so you know people who who become addicted to alcohol you often have this sort of voice in your head and it's always saying am I going to drink tonight am I not going to drink how much am I going to drink what am I going to drink and it's really tiring and it takes up a whole load of headspace and, you know, people like my husband, they don't have that voice in their mm. head. They either drink or they don't drink and it's not a big issue. Mm. For me, it was just taking up way too much of my my energies. What do you think so. changed for you to have that fundamental shift that finally 
kick-started you having five years sober and and how how easy was it was it just like literally your your mind shifted and then it's been fairly easy to stay five years sober or actually no is it taking you some time to get used to your new sober life um well there there was a one trigger moment I think for a long time I'd known it was it was you know getting out of control and I had to do something about it and you know, like many people, there was one particular moment where I thought, no, this is it. And should I tell you, should I tell you what yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah. please do. Um, it's, it's actually the first page of, of my book, the, the Sober Diaries, which is a story of my first year not drinking, um, which actually everyone describes as uh, Bridget Jones dries out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so so the what happened was it was the day after my uh, birthday party. So I woke up with a chronic hangover. And I went down to the kitchen and my children were all there making a right racket and I had a terrible headache. And I thought, um, I knew that the only thing that would make my headache feel better is another drink, you know, sort of hair Mm. of the dog. And I had, but I had some really hard and fast rules because, you know, um, I, I knew that there were, you know, I had to keep my drinking sort of in control. And one of my hard and fast rules was I did not drink before midday. And that was sort of because that's what alcoholics do. Yeah, and and right, I wasn't yeah. an alcoholic. And, <laughs> um, and it was 11 o'clock in the morning. So I thought I can't have a drink because it's 11 o'clock in the morning. And then I opened the cupboard and there was this bottle of red wine and it had about an inch left in the bottom. And I thought, that's a sign. <laughs> because I never normally left anything in the bottle of a bottle. So um, uh, so I took the bottle of wine out and I got a mug out of the cupboard because mm. I didn't want my kids to see that I was drinking at 11 o'clock. And I poured that wine into a mug and I drank it and I felt much better. And then I looked at the mug and it said, the world's best mum on the mug. <gasps> And um, I haven't had a drink since then. Wow. Because it was just, for me, that was just the, you know, I'd broken mm. one of my hard and fast rules and I I was so ashamed of myself. Yeah. So... Do you think you were an alcoholic? You keep gisting about, you know, because I was not not an alcoholic in terms of looking for all these signs to reinforce your behaviour, but do you think you, you were, you are an alcoholic? Um, you know what? I hate the word. Do you? Um, because, you know, again, I said, you know, I, I, I mentioned I was in advertising and... You know, I think words really matter. Mm. And I think part of the reason people find it difficult to quit drinking is because all the imagery around it is so negative. So the word alcoholic, recovery, um, uh, people talk about disease and all those things. Mm. And, you know, and I didn't want to spend the rest of my life defining myself Mm. by a negative. I wanted to be able to say, you know, my name's Claire and I am a non-drinker. Yeah. And... um, and that's what I say. I say, you know, I used to be addicted to alcohol. I'm not anymore. I'm a non-drinker. Um, and, um, you know, I'm a sober warrior. Um, mm. I don't need alcohol to make my life better. And, you know, I think if you see it in the positive like that, yeah. then, you know, it's, it's, you know it's, it's a much better way to live. Claire, it's fascinating listening to you talk. And I really want to talk to you more about the concept of how we talk about drinking because I think particularly for women it's so important when we think about sobriety Mm. Uh, we're going to take a little break we're going to talk to Claire more about sober life after this The Badass Women's Hour is Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton Three women one podcast and a whole load of badass as long as we've had our coffee 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, we are talking to Claire Pooley, uh, author of The Sober Diaries, aka The Sober Mommy. Um, Claire, before the break, we were talking about this idea that uh, you're either an alcoholic and it comes with all the horrors of alcoholism or is there another way to look at our drinking behaviour? And recently I was reading about a book that's been published in the US, it's coming over here, which talks about actually how we kind of quit alcohol in a more, I'm going to use the word, feminine style, which is without the hard and fast rules about looking at it as a kind of way to enhance your life, to look after yourself better, to be kinder to yourself, to be kinder of those around you. Um not as a place of kind of shame and punishment, mm. which maybe traditionally has been associated with kind of AA and the 12 steps. Do you think that if we could look at it more in that manner, we might encourage more women to look at their drinking? Uh, yes, absolutely. And I mean, up till now, we've really seen it as a black and white issue. You know, you are either a normal drinker or you are an alcoholic. Mm. And I think there is much more understanding now that it's very much shades of grey. You know, it's a spectrum. And now people are talking about grey area drinking, which is mm. where I think I was, which is somewhere in the middle. And just because out you're not uh, what you might describe as a traditional alcoholic does not mean that alcohol isn't making your life worse than it should be and it doesn't mean that you might be much much happier and healthier without it so uh so yeah I, th I think things are moving and we are starting to think about uh going sober as a positive lifestyle choice and not something that you have to do because you have an illness of some sort have you you've been sober now for five years in during that time has there have there been points where you wanted to go back to drinking uh, yes, they have. And, you know, they are, but they are momentary. And, mm. you know, I, I certainly wouldn't act on them. And funny enough, you know, I've got used to dealing with difficult things without alcohol. Um, so, you know, I had breast cancer, for instance, I was diagnosed with breast cancer eight months after I stopped drinking. And I got through that without booze. And I am so grateful every day that I wasn't drinking when I was diagnosed with cancer because all the wheels would have come off if I'd been drinking at that point. Mm -hmm. And 
that made me realise, that whole experience made me realise that um, actually, you know, when... Am I allowed to swear on this? No. <laughs> when it hits the fan, um, you are actually much more able to cope um, when you're sober than you are when you're when you're drinking. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't miss it when times are tough. I miss it um, sometimes when I have a really, really great news and I want to celebrate and sometimes cake doesn't really feel like it's enough um and sometimes you sort of think god you know i'm i miss being able to pop a cork but as i said it's momentary and i certainly wouldn't act on it because my life is so much better without it so so you, listening to you triggers so many things in my mind uh, especially that gray area things when you were saying you know I was addicted to it. I'm addicted to alcohol in the same way I'm addicted to having a coffee in the morning mm. and I'm addicted to having a pizza and I'm addicted to having kettle chips. Um, so if someone said, are you not addicted? I'd be like, no, I am because I want that thing. Uh, and I, in my mind, a glass of champagne does make my life better. But being on a rooftop also makes it increasingly better. So I've baked alcohol into moments in my life that for, for me, if I didn't have them, I don't know what I would do. Mm. But then I'm like, but that's okay. And so how do you go from... Uh, how do you go from it's okay to it's not okay? And I, I'm not someone that has an excessive personality. Mm. So you know, I wouldn't stand in my kitchen and... But, and this is my vision of what alcoholism mm. is. Throw a bottle of wine back to my head and, like, chug it. Because mm. that, that's what an alcoholic would do. It's just dependency, though, isn't it? Like you, so you Claire is giving you addicted. a very a thoughtful yeah. look. Yeah. <laughs> but, but whenever we talk about alcohol on the show, mm-hmm. I always test my own... Yeah. Because I, I do, I mm. like alcohol. And this year, when, um, I think I said it to you, yeah. I just... I'm going to stop pretending that I don't because yeah. I, I do. But the thing is, if you can't go without something, mm. there is a level of addiction there. Even if yeah. it's your coffee, yeah. even if it's going to that same location, and that's why I said you're I'm definitely addicted. Your yeah. brain has associated a lot of dopamine with that thing, mm-hmm. and so then you become addicted. Like, mm. yeah, I, I think for me, the point at which it becomes an issue is is when it starts taking up too much space mm. in your head mm. you know if uh, if you're spending too much time thinking about it and worrying about it and planning it mm. and um <laughs> thinking about what happens next that's, that's when it becomes because it, it just it just takes up too much of your life then <laughs> you know and and one of the interesting things about quitting is it makes you think about what you are going to do to fill that hole mm-hmm. so you know so i mean i funny enough i thought i would miss all those times when I was drinking, actually, I do so much more with my life now than mm. I was then because it it can make you very lazy because instead of thinking, you know, what might, what are all the different things I might do with my evening, mm. you know, you just default to the, you know, the basic, oh, I'll go to a bar and have a drink, mm. you know, whereas now I might do, you know, all sorts of, you know, very different things instead of that. Mm. So. I'm just thinking about Natalie's busy day in the morning, thinking about coffee, lunchtime, <laughs> thinking about pizza, afternoon, thinking about kettle chips, <laughs> Even thinking about wine. <laughs> yeah, that was that was exactly the thought that made me smile. It's baked in a way in that I spend a lot of my time thinking about what I'm going to eat, mm. just to remind myself to eat. And so drinking falls into that. What am I having for dinner? And what am I going to have some wine with dinner? Am I going to have some fizz with mm-hmm. dinner? If we're with the girls, it's the first thing we say. Are we having wine this evening? We have 
So actually, it does form part of a a, a narrative, and I I talk about it because we talk about it a lot on the show, and I I do. You know, I think it's important to test whether or not you, especially in the grey area, whether or not you are or you're not. And listening to you, I can see how easily it would, how easy it would be to fall into that category mm. of actually it's a bottle and then a bottle you need to two and then from two it's three. And at dinner mm. with the girls, we could definitely do two bottles each. Yeah, and I mean, alcohol, we always forget that alcohol is a, is a drug and your, your tolerance, you know, builds up over time. So, you know, when you were 18, you could probably have half a glass of wine and giggle and fall over, mm-hmm. you know, whereas now it might yeah. take half a bottle. Bit of Lambrini. You know? <laughs> and for me, you know, I could drink a bottle of wine and not appear drunk yeah. um, before I quit. So, you know, so it, it does gradually build mm. up to the point that, you know, you it, it starts causing causing you problems. What do you think is, if someone like Ness is listening to this and thinking, oh, maybe I should check in with it, what's the kind of, for you, what's a barometer mm. of, okay, the first thing to check is, you said, you know, is it taking up too much headspace? Mm. Is it actually I missed something really important that I shouldn't have missed because of it? Mm. Um, I, th- I think the thing is to set yourself some sensible rules and see if you mm. can stick to them. You know, and That's great advice. if you can't stick to them, if you can stick to them, then all well and good, and you know, carry on. And you know, and and I, I'm very very happy for you and very <laughs> jealous. Um, but uh, if you can't stick to those rules, then I think that's a sign that, that things might be getting slightly out of control. You obviously published the blog anonymously, but then it became a thing and then it became a book and suddenly everybody knew all of this personal things you had been writing secretly. What was it like having your whole life out there for people to read about? Um, you know, it was terrifying initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... You know, because I was I was anonymous for so long, and then actually I was outed by a mum on the, the school gates uh, because I, you know, I was writing all about my life, but nobody knew it was me, and I'd picked up, you know, I'd picked up hundreds of thousands of, of followers. And uh, one of the mums at, at the school had um, been to a party of mine where I'd made a speech and I'd mentioned a couple of things which I then also mentioned in the blog. <laughs> mm. And she put two and two together and she sent me an email saying, are you sober, mummy? <laughs> <laughs> and she'd been reading my blog for six months and she'd wow, been reading right. reading out bits to her husband in bed and laughing about it and saying, oh, you know, this sounds just like the sort of person we might know. You know? <laughs> and it was, it was me. Um, so, uh, you know, so I, I, I eventually decided I had lots of uh, people who'd been reading my blog who said, look, you really should turn this into a book. And excuse me, I got a publishing deal. And um, for three nights before the book came out, I was really terrified. So I hardly mm-hmm. slept. I kept having those, you know, you have those dreams where you're walking down a street naked and everybody's yeah, staring yeah, at you. Yeah. I kept having those dreams. And, um, you know, and it was it was really terrifying. Now, I was lined up to do lots of PR. So I was going to be in the Daily Mail and I was going to be on Woman's Hour and on Steve Wright and and all this sort of stuff talking about my deepest, darkest secrets. And, you know, and it was it was really terrifying. And actually what I found was that um, people were so kind because, you know, if you 
if you tell the truth about your life, then there is nothing anyone can say mm. really, you know, what were they going to call me, a lush? Mm. You know, mm. I've sort of, yeah. I'd done that. <laughs> you know, or they might say I'm a bad mother. You know, I admitted that yeah, too, you yeah. know. So so I sort of felt that, you know, there wasn't there wasn't really anything anybody could level at me that I hadn't leveled at myself, mm. um, you know, a lot more. So so actually, I'd, I'd hardly got any trolling at all. It was all, it, you know, instead, what I found was that I got thousands and thousands of messages from people saying that they had felt exactly the same as me and they thought they were the only person mm. that felt like that until they read my blog or read my book and suddenly realised that they weren't alone. And, you know, that was an incredibly fantastic feeling, thinking mm. that sort of, you know, I'd made a lot of people feel less lonely and also see that there was you know there was some there was something on the other side you know so so i think you know there are a lot of people who again like me thought their lives would be over if mm. they gave up drinking and realized that their lives were actually only just beginning mm. so so yeah i i was it was good do you still use writing as a kind of tool for sobriety yeah it's it's my therapy so mm. Um, you know, funny enough, I, I so I wrote the blog for years and and then published the book, and then I thought, well, actually, I want to carry on writing. And this whole experience of telling the truth about my life made me think, what would happen if everyone told the truth about their lives? Mm. And so I wrote a novel, and I called it The Authenticity Project, and it's um, it's coming out. Actually, it comes out in the US on Tuesday, and in the UK on um, in April. But it's, it's available actually on audio and kindle from tuesday next week which is slightly terrifying again <laughs> quickly the premise of it is uh so it's, it's all about a notebook a green notebook which a man called julian jessup um leaves in a cafe and on the front it says the authenticity project and inside it says everybody lies about their lives and what would happen if you told the truth instead and he tells the truth about his life mm -hmm. which is he's very lonely and it's picked up by the owner of the cafe who reads his story, decides to track him down and help change his life. And she writes the truth about her life. Mm. And the book is passed from one person to the next, like six people, like a chain letter. So it goes from between six people and they all meet each other and they all change each other's lives in sort of miraculous ways. And oh, there's, wow. a bit of, there's a bit of a love story in there too. That's such I a love. great concept. Yeah, that's that's very fabulous. Cool. Lovely. Oh, thank you. And it's all set in London. So. <laughs> very, very cool. Oh, love, love it. it. Claire, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us. It's been fascinating talking to you and you brought such kind of warmth and authenticity mm. to it. So we've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Uh, Claire Pooley, The Sober Mummy, uh, Sober Diaries, already out. Go read it if you haven't. And The Authenticity Project coming out on Kindle and Audiobook here in the UK at the end of the week. You've been listening to Badass Women's Hour. If you like the show, then help more people find us. You can tag us or talk to us on social media using at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating. Five stars, please. It helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us. We'll be back next week with more Badass Guests and in-depth chat. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.